our whole marketing can be summed up by give, 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 ask. So we sort of have a cadence and ratio even of how much we want to give before we ask for anything in return. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn. And if you're just joining us, the mission of my podcast is twofold, to guide you to an encounter with your own potential and greatness, and to show you it is possible to leverage who you were made to be into a business or a platform that impacts the lives of others and to help you design the life you want. My guests are entrepreneurs and leaders who have had what I refer to as an impact moment and are using their platform to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. That sounds great, right? But none of that is possible unless you take action in your own life. If you've listened to my show for any length of time, you know that each guest is part of a series such as leadership, courage, the comeback, halftime, and for the next few weeks, finding your purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? I feel called to do something, but I'm not sure exactly what my purpose is. How do I find it? These are common questions and statements many of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and leaders have asked throughout their lives. And incidentally, these are some of the same questions and statements you and I may be making or asking on a daily basis. And guess what? That is a good thing. Never stop asking questions. Always try to advance from your current reality to your desired reality. The very word question implies a desire to find the truth, to find the meaning, and to find purpose about your life. We spent the last few weeks talking about grabbing the opportunity bull by the horns and riding it into submission. But to what end? Why should we do that? What will that accomplish? Well, my hope is that the guests you will hear from these next few weeks will stoke your thinking, inspire you to begin answering some of these questions for yourself, and show you that it is possible to be an entrepreneur driven by a strong purpose and mission while serving others and living the life that you want. Now, enough from me. It's time to hear about our incredible guests. As we heard from Lou Holtz, choices have an incredibly powerful hold over our life. And this is true for each of us, but it is especially true for this guest, Dr. John Berardi. He is a powerful entrepreneur, but life didn't necessarily start out that way for Dr. Berardi. For years, he hung with the wrong crowd, and he was headed toward prison when he nearly died in a car crash and had an epiphany that turned everything around. That, plus an encounter with a mentor who believed in him, inspired him to choose a life of fitness as a career which eventually led him to study nutrition and becoming a master of behavior change and eventually the co-founder of Precision Nutrition. Today, Precision Nutrition is a globally recognized brand for its leadership in fitness nutrition, coaching, and education. Fast Company included them in their list of the top 10 most innovative companies in fitness, and they work with some of the biggest brands in the world, including Nike and Apple. In part one of my conversation with Dr. Berardi, you're going to hear all about how he grew up, how important it was that someone believed in his true potential, and how nearly dying in a car accident changed the trajectory of his life and so much more. 
bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Well, Dr. John Berardi, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. And from this point out, we're going to get rid of all formalities and you're just going to be JB. This sounds great to me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We were connected by Kelly and Juliet Starrett, who are two amazing people. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, have you on the show and to share your story and the lessons that you've picked up along the way with my listeners and, and uh, fans of Precision Nutrition. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I was actually, I had forgotten that it was Kelly and Juliet that had introduced us. And I was trying to remind myself of that today. So thanks for saying that. Um, I'm assuming you've had them on the show before. So listeners have had a chance to hear what they're up to and which is amazing stuff. And that's why we get along so well. I think they're cool people and also doing great work. And, you know, at least they tell me they think I'm doing the same. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they are awesome. And I have had them both on, on separate occasions. Kelly was on before Juliet. And then I reached out to Kelly and I said, Hey, Kelly, I need to interview some, some awesome ladies who have a champion's mindset. Who do you know? And uh, he obviously uh, connected me with Juliet. Who's, who's awesome. As well as some other amazing women who, uh, who have a, a solid champion's mindset. Oh, that's awesome. That's super cool. I... Yeah, they're, they're, they are awesome. And they're so fun and they're, and they love to share their story and they just, they're givers. You know, that's what I find about the most successful people in, in the business world is that they really do their best and they're not a hundred percent, but they do their best to give uh, away everything that they've, they've learned and share those lessons with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've thought a lot about that in particular. I think it's true to a large extent, not always. And it's like, you know, I, in addition to my training in biochemistry and nutrition and, and exercise science, you know, I was really fascinated with psychology and philosophy. So I had done minors in both of those subjects in university. And so I, I always like to ponder these kinds of questions. You know, I mean, is it because at a certain point in your career, once you've had success, you feel like you've gotten yours, whatever yours is, whether it's like financial means or whether it's a certain amount of accomplishment or ego gratification. And now you're like, okay, cool. I've gotten everything that I need to be happy, comfortable, ego satisfied, whatever. And now I'm full in overflowing. In fact, the only place for that to go is to others. Or is it because, you know, at some key junctures in, in their own careers, people were overly generous with their time, expertise, experience, and then they just feel like, hey, it'd be wrong to not do the same. I am never sure which, what causes that kind of a thing, but I've noticed the same thing. Yeah, for, for me, it's I've really been having kind of a paradigm shift about that particular in, introspective dialogue. and. I think that the giving has to precede the getting and that that it does require a uh, a mental mindset shift in order to actually do that because when you and I learned this from a previous guest on my show named Bob Berg who wrote the book The Go-Giver it's a great book if you haven't read it 
it's a par- it's a parable about somebody who's going through this kind of thought process of of they're trying to grind and and get things done and and build stuff and and yet they're not they keep running into walls and he meets this mentor who who shows him the five laws of stratospheric success which basically is all about giving and not only giving but giving without expectation of anything in return mm-hmm. that is a massive differentiator when it comes to to the thought, whole thought process and approach of giving and if you do that and if you say i'm going to be fulfilled regardless of whatever the outcome is i'm choosing to be fulfilled right now in this moment then you're going to have the best life ever mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting you know i have uh, four children and you know watching them grow and come into their own you know you realize the importance of stages of development right physical biomechanical intellectual and they're actually super well categorized for children you know like you can get textbooks or take courses on this very thing but you don't see that as much in sort of let's call it entrepreneurial stages of development or just human growth and development you know so that's i mean what you're talking about here is is great you know and i i think to like a 22 year old who's listening who wants to be successful you know um, or a 32-year-old who's listening who wants to be successful. I, I'm in my mid-40s now. And you think about that advice and you're like, okay, give without expectation of return. And then uh, it's obviously good. It's, it's, it's a good piece of advice, although it can sort of devolve into platitude at times. The question becomes how, with what you have at each stage, to do that. You know what I mean? And everyone has to figure that out on their own terms, wherever they are, right? I have the capacity now, in some respects, to give way more than I could have in my 20s and 30s. I'm not even sure what I had of value to give in my 20s. You know what I mean? Now, I I know now, but back then, I wasn't sure what it could have been. So it becomes this thing where you're like, okay, how do we make the rubber meet the road? How do we figure out what that means in the context of each stage of entrepreneurial development or personal development or whatever, and do the best that you can at each stage? You might not be able to give as much in your 20s as you can in your 30s and 40s. But the key being that when you make it a practice to try, a whole bunch of important things change about you and then about how the world sees and interacts with you. So I think it's important either way. Yeah, I know that's so true. And and it's kind of funny. I didn't intend for the conversation to kind of go in this direction, but let's just play with it a little bit longer. When you give a gift to someone, you have this immediate like serotonin boost, right? You have this immediate elevated feeling in your body when you watch them receive that thing. And so does everybody around you at that moment. And so it's, it's not just a, a one-to-one kind of an impact. It's geometric. Right. And so I just think, especially today, where we, where we have such vitriol in our you know, politics and in relationships, and there's not a, generally, a, you know, people don't think of things as all rosy at the, at the moment. It, it creates an opportunity for you to make your own happiness. And one of the ways that you can do that is by giving freely of the skills and talents and even treasure that you've accumulated 
whether you're 20 or in your mid forties. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think it's, uh, there's a personal aspect to it and there's also a professional one as well. I mean, you know, with our work at precision nutrition, uh, we have a very large newsletter list and, and a lot of website traffic and stuff like that. And, and we've done very well. I'm fortunate to have done that online and, uh, our whole marketing can be summed up by give, 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 ask. So we sort of have a cadence and ratio even of how much we want to give before we ask for anything in return. And so, you know, uh, it's very strategic, but it also comes from the same place that this conversation comes from, which is, you know, which can be applied to personal relationships and professional interactions with clients and customers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, you know, I've witnessed, I've, I've signed up on your uh, newsletter for both the consumer side and the coaching side, just to kind of get a flavor of how you guys do things. And I have to, I have to say that you guys are probably one of the most generous organizations in terms of the content and the material that you delivered. For instance, you just launched out this nutritional coaching training system to uh, where, you know, nutritionists and physical uh, fitness coaches could sign up and learn about nutrition. And you basically gave away your entire arsenal of assessments and questionnaires and tools to people that were prospective health and nutrition coaches. And the only thing that you asked of them is if you use this and you don't sign up for our program, just please keep the precision nutrition branding on all of that material. And I was blown away by that. It was super impressive. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the shout out. You know, early in my career, I was really fortunate to be exposed to some great thinkers in this space. And, and the one, uh, there's a phrase that sticks with me and, and even Pagan, who's, you know, well-known in the internet entrepreneur circles is the first person I ever heard say it. And he called it moving the free line. And the idea was that, you know, historically in businesses, when you wanted to give away something for free, it was usually something that wasn't very good. It was just kind of like a tiny little give that wasn't really that much of a give. It was mostly a thinly veiled marketing piece. You know what I mean? And he talked about moving the free line, meaning that instead of everything you know, free being low quality and then everything good being paid. What if you move the free line to giving away some of your best stuff up front before the purchase or the sale for a whole host of reasons, right? I mean, one being this very thing we're talking about, just sort of the act of being generous in the world. Uh, the second being when you give away some of your best stuff up front people are more likely to believe, whoa, if this is what you're giving away, how amazing must be the stuff that you're, you're selling. You know, so it actually increases conversions and interest and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I took that to heart and it's, it's what we've done. I mean, there's, a, there's a, a guy by the name of Nate Green who's published a few books in health and fitness and he worked at PN for years and he's a close personal friend of mine. And he put out a book called The Hero Handbook a couple of years ago. And... Um, it was this great collection of like essays and sort of like a uh, irreverent now generation 
personal development book, really well written. He's an incredible writer and storyteller. And when he, when we were talking about the book, as he was producing it, you know, I, I just threw out this idea. What if you actually didn't sell it? Like, what if you didn't sell it as a 1999 or whatever ebook? What if you just gave it away for free? And this, I mean, this is crazy thinking, you know, as someone early in their career who like needs money, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wait, wait, wait. I, I mean, I might sell a couple hundred copies of this at 20 bucks each. I'll make a few thousand dollars. I, I need the money, right? Um, but the idea was, but let's do the math. Let's say this book does really well and sells 5,000 copies, which is, I mean, really what you can expect for an online ebook to a small niche audience, right? So you sell 5,000 copies at 20 bucks. Well, I mean, that's okay. But if you give it away for free, a couple hundred thousand people will see it. I'm pretty sure of that. And what's that worth to your long-term career plan? You know, so I wasn't trying to convince him of anything, but it was just an example of this thing. And he was like, after weighing the pros and cons, he ended up doing that exact thing. He gave it away for free and it's become like kind of a cult classic, you know? So uh, I'm super big on moving the free line, you know, on giving away some of your best stuff up front. So the, the free nutrition coaching course was exactly that. You know, how can we package something that people would sell for hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars and give it away for free as long as we have something that we can charge on the back end of that for the people who want to go deeper? You know, I want to back up a little bit and learn a little bit more about your backstory because you have a, an incredible story because for, for all intents and purposes, there is a very good reason why you shouldn't be in the position that you're in right now. And I'd love to... First, learn a little bit about what it was like growing up in the Berardi household. Was it, was it easy? Was it, was it hard? Was it somewhere in the middle? Yeah, well, I, I grew up, I guess uh, one of the hallmarks is I grew up in an immigrant family. So both my parents were born in Italy uh, in a really, really small village. Population now is 300, most of the year, 600 in the summer when you know family comes back to visit and stuff or... You know, in, in Italy, most people will take the entire month of August for vacation. And so they'll all go back to the village or whatever and then go back to Rome or wherever they go to make their living. So really t- small town uh, and, and post-World War II. So it was a really impoverished town. Uh, they grew up in these little flats. It's one of the most beautiful areas of the world in the mountains in central Italy. But uh, just not much money, not much stuff, you know, hard living, you know, kind of like growing vegetables in the, in the rocky hillside, you know, and they had no running water in their, in their homes and stuff like that. So they, they came to the U S and, and my brother and I are first generation uh, American born in the U S. And so, you know, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family per se, although I think some of the traits that my dad taught us, I mean, my dad's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. He has no formal training. My parents don't really even have high school education, uh, but he's super smart, dude. He figured out how to do all kinds of things. Now he's retired. And I don't know, he's one of his hobbies now is like converting old Mercedes Benz vehicles into oil burning vehicles, right? So he has, he's created like a distillery in his garage to distill. He goes and gets 
like French fry oil that they throw away from McDonald's and Burger King and turns it into fuel for his old Mercedes Benz cars that he fixes up. Like this is what he does as a hobby now with like no, you know, mechanical training or any of this kind of stuff. So uh, super smart dude, super hardworking guy. I think I got some of those traits from him, but we grew up, you know, with a scarcity mindset, right? There was not a lot of stuff. People will take stuff from you, you know, uh, there's like this old thing, like immigrant parents and grandparents will say all the time is like, oh, yeah, go get an education because no one can ever take that away from you. Right. I heard that so many times growing up. I always wondered, like, what is this whole thing about taking things away from you? Well, the truth was, if you grew up in Italy in World War Two, people came and took things away from you. You know what I mean? Like soldiers marched through and took all your stuff. So that was uh a thing that was sort of imparted in us, like certain values in that, in that way. But there, it comes with that uh, scarcity mindset. And, you know, so me being first generation, you know, I had all these values from my parents, but I was like rebellious. I didn't like to follow rules and they come from a strict background. So it created a lot of tension throughout my high school years. And, you know, I rebelled by skipping school and doing lots of drugs. You know, I was drinking a lot, doing a lot of drugs and terrible student. That was kind of like the path I was on. And, you know, most of the people that I knew from high school would be totally blown away and shocked that I've accomplished any of the things that I have on my resume now. And it, it, it actually took a, a moment, like a car accident, in fact, that was like a near-death experience for me uh, to turn things around and, and start to look at life a little bit differently. And uh, it was a, a, a very culminating moment in my life. Thought I was going to die. And uh, it was that moment I said, hey, I need to do something differently. Didn't know what that would be. Uh, moments like that are always great in Hollywood stories because, you know, you're like, oh, this bad thing happened. And then yada, 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 success. Right. But it actually sucked for a while. They were like, I don't know. Uh, Two years after I decided to change, where like I, I had no friends and no skills, <laughs> you know what I mean. So I was, you know, living in the same place with no skills, no friends, and I had to figure out how to deal with that. So fortunately, at that point in my life, I, I found a mentor in the gym, and he kind of took me under his wing. I, I, to still this day, I don't know what he saw in me, why he would have spent his time helping, but he did which was an important lesson for me. Like, I'm like, I don't know how valuable I am to this person. He's helping me anyway. Wow. Okay. So that, that's the perfect example of giving without expectation of return. Right. And, uh, I mean, he was a successful business owner and a super jacked bodybuilder dude, you know, so he taught me how to lift weights. And then he, you know, essentially told me that if I don't go to college and make something in my life, he was going to kick my ass all over town. And uh, he also gave me a job at the gym and taught me, you know, it was one of those things where uh, he took me under his wing for real. Like I wasn't just an employee. He's like, come here. I want to teach you about money. Come here. I want to teach you about business. Here, listen in on this conversation over the phone so you can learn how to interact with other professionals. And he sort of really jumpstarted my life and my career. Was he coming from a place of where, where he was trying to connect or, or correct some mistakes that he may have made in his own life that, that you 
that he saw that you could potentially go down the same track that he went on and he wanted to save you some, some pain or, or was he actually, did he, did he go to college and get educated and do all of those things? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think it was, it was a weird kind of connection that way. I mean, quite possibly it could have been uh, some mistakes in his youth, but I think it was just, for me, it was like the perfect storm, right? Here was, here was this person. I mean, I don't know who else could have gotten through to me because just at that time, you know, when I was kind of on my own trying to figure out my life, I just started going to the gym because it was something to do. Right. And so now I'm at this gym and there's this guy there who's like really big, really strong. People look up to him. You know, women think he's super attractive. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, in my 18 year old brain or 17 year old brain, I'm like, that's what you got to be like. So I'm gravitated towards that. And then he's sneaking in business lessons and college and he's giving me books to read and stuff. But I also think it was a weird thing because even, even though I was a terrible student, and all this, I, I still had the same curiosity that I do now. So I was curious and thoughts and, and I must've been like a sponge, right? Because I had no, nothing else to do. Right. I was I didn't have my friends to hang out with. I wasn't doing drugs or alcohol. And so I just had time. Right. So one of the things I find nowadays, now that I'm in the opposite position where I'm a mentor much more, when you have a willing pupil, there's nothing like that. Like when you have someone who's like, teach me, and, and not only am I going to listen, but I'm going to come back tomorrow having implemented what you suggested and show you what happened. It's, I mean, that's the, one of the greatest things for a mentor to receive in return, right? You're like actually giving out this stuff to people and you, you think it's awesome, you know, and uh, sometimes people don't take it, right? They, they don't do anything with it. They question it or whatever. And uh, I think I, what, what I was giving in return to him was some connection around fitness, around, you know, lifting and bodybuilding. We became trading partners too. Uh, this deep curiosity, which he also had. So we shared philosophy books and fiction books and stuff like that. And then I was just the most willing disciple, if you will, you know, mentee. And I think you put those things together and it, it, it becomes a mutually rewarding relationship, you know? Yeah. When it comes to mentorship, one of the greatest shortfalls that the mentee makes is sitting in front of that mentor, getting their advice, and then not implementing anything, not doing anything with it. It is it's the greatest insult to the mentor. You know, here they are freely giving of all of their time and their talent, and in some cases, even their treasure. And it's not being reinvested by the very person who asked for it in the first place. Totally agree. That's, you know, and I, and I always put the caveat on it. That's it, only a relevant complaint of the mentor if they were asked for advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people just uh, offer unsolicited advice all the time. And then they're like, why aren't you taking it? Well, they had the right answer is I, you know, I never asked for it. You know, but if it's one of those situations where, you know, I came to you as a mentor and I said, hey, I want you to teach me. Yeah, it, it, it is bothersome if, if uh, one of a couple of things happens. One, you become kind of quarrelsome. Right. You're like, hey, I want to show you how smart I am by questioning your advice. You know what I mean? That's just flat annoying. You're like, hey, I'm I'm happy to answer questions. But um, but I can tell when you're curious versus trying to show me how much, you know, 
And when you're trying to show me how much you know, you look like an idiot. <laughs> you know, it does the exact opposite. And then the second thing is, you know, it, assuming you're not that way, or maybe you're both, um, is not taking advantage of the advice, you know, just going out and doing it how you would have done it anyway, you know, and that's also uh, annoying and frustrating. And I mean, more than anything, in these kinds of exchanges, the mentor gets something out of it. There's no question. It's not a totally selfless act. Um, but the mentor has a lot of people who want their help. You know, the mentee is lucky to be there. Now, in, in my life right now, I strive for being both. I found there was a point in my life where it got difficult because, you know, early, early in my life and career, I just needed mentorship. There was no one for me to mentor. You know, uh, no one wanted my mentorship. So I just needed advice and guidance. So I went out and sought that. And then there comes this transition period where you get some notoriety or establish some skill or expertise. Now everyone wants to come to you for mentorship. And it's weird and different. And it feels good that people are putting you in that position. And there was a little while there where I was not getting any mentorship anymore. I hadn't carved out time for it. So I was just giving, giving, giving. And I realized, oh, this is a dangerous path to go down. So I, I found I had to figure out how to balance the two. I had to go seek out mentorship from people who are further along the path than me, uh, while also giving it to people who are a little less far along the path. So when I talk about you know being a mentor and things that are annoying, I say this both you know from the place of being a mentor, but also from the place of continuing to be a mentee. You know, so that I continue to be a good one for the people who spend their time and invest in me so that I realize, hey, when this person gave me advice, I'm going to be thankful. Uh, I'm going to listen. You know, the, the idea that I have two eyes and two ears and one mouth should establish the ratio of how I interact with this person. Right. I'm going to see and hear four times as much as I speak. Take what they say, figure out how it works in my life. Ray Dalio, who you've heard of, I'm sure, um, is a mentor of ours at Precision Nutrition. Our co-founder is, uh, is close friends with him. Uh, for those listening who don't know who Ray is, he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. He runs Bridgewater, which is a, a, hedge, he's a hedge fund manager and been called one of the most successful in history. And uh, Ray has this thing about, uh, about believability, he calls it. The idea is when you want help or advice, you have to get it from the right people. And he has this believability criteria, which is how do you know who the right people are? Uh, you know, step one is, you know, has this person actually done the thing that, that you want to do successfully? You know, two is, have they done it repeatedly over and over again in different conditions and different contexts and been successful? And then three is, does what they're telling you make sense? Not, not just, you know, to your intellectual brain, but does it make sense for your business? And do you understand it deeply enough that you can do it? Because if it doesn't make sense to you, even though it might be right, you won't pull it off, right? So there's this kind of three tiers, you know, and for me, those are the kinds of people you want, not only to help you solve a problem in your business, but as a mentor, right? Like you want some people who can help you develop in areas of your life that are believable and have done it and, and it makes sense. Uh, so the worst thing in the world would be to find someone who's done it, who's done it repeatedly successfully 
and what they're saying makes sense. And then you not do anything about it. Ah, so annoying, you know? So I remind myself not to be that guy. And I encourage people who are going out for mentorship to not be that kind of person either. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. Let's pause for a moment and go back to the car accident and the whole Hollywood scene. So, you know, you got in this car accident, you almost died. If you didn't get in that car accident, you probably would have gone to prison uh, for living the life that you were living up to that point. And then in the Hollywood sense, you woke up the next day and said, I'm going to become a nutritionist, build a $150 million company advise some of the most well-known companies in the world like Apple and Nike. So how help fill in some of the blanks in, in that regard and how you got precision nutrition off of the ground and now how you continue to exponentially grow it using some of those principles that, that Ray has taught you along the way. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is, and you know, the Hollywood story is a great one. I, I you know, I love to watch that movie sometimes, but it'll be less true than the real story, which is, you know, I was probably 18 years old when all that happened. And, you know, we didn't really start precision nutrition for another 10 years. So I fumble around for 10 years. You know what I mean? Uh, the thing that I said earlier is really critical. I got in this car crash, it decided to change my life and I had no skills. So it's one of the loneliest periods of a person's life when they walk away from their old life. And we see this all the time in coaching, right? At Precision Nutrition, we've coached nearly 100,000 people now. So we see it all the time. Uh, You try walking away from your old life, which means walking away from your old habits, which are comforting and they provide some value to you, even if you're uh, addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever, and you know that's bad for you, it actually provides some benefit and value in your life. And that's why it's still there. So you take all the things that provided some comfort, value, benefit that you know are bad for you and you throw them away. That sucks. Uh, Now all the friends in the environment that supported that, that all goes away. That sucks, right? Uh, Now your self-identity shattered. That sucks, right? So you're like, what's next? Okay, well, you don't know. You don't have any skills. You don't have any other life to compare to. So you just flail around. And fortunately, I had this one guy who's like, here's what's next for you. Let's work out. You know, come to the gym five days a week. We'll build your body. When you leave, I'm going to give you some books to read. And he gave me books like Stephen Covey and Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale and, you know, all the classic self-help kind of personal development books and fiction books. We were like reading uh, John Steinbeck and Ayn Rand and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, he uh, literally had workout. And, th- and now this guy was 12 years my senior. I was a skinny kid growing up. So 
he would crush me in the gym, right? So I'd leave sore, hobbling home with all these books to read. So I'm sort of rebuilding uh, my body and, and my mind. And he's like, okay, cool. You're going to work out. You're going to read and you're going to go to college. So I started a local community college, right? Just taking a couple classes and working at, you know, my dad by this point had started a breakfast and lunch cafe. So I'm working at his place. My cousin runs a pizza shop. So I'm working there and I'm working at the gym. So I've got three part-time jobs, reading and working out. And what ends up happening is I start doing well in school. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? And uh, after doing two years of community college, it's, I have actually some really good grades. And I decide, okay, I'm going to go to university. And so then in university, I studied pre-med philosophy and psychology, totally crushed it, you know, graduated top three in my class. Then I was like, okay, what's next? Well, I knew, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know if I want business. I still no idea. I mean, and this is like now six years later, right? After the, the big scene, I still don't know what I want to do, but I know I'm actually pretty good and being rewarded by university. So I'm like, I'll go to grad school. So I'll, I'll do that. Now I had originally planned maybe on going to pre-med, or taking my pre-med and going to med school. And, and, you know, being from an immigrant family, that's like the dream. It's everyone's dream, right? You'd be a doctor or a lawyer. They can never take that away from you either, right? Um, so that, that's, what, that's what was going to be so uh, praised in my family. But uh, I realized I didn't love it as much as I just loved exercise and nutrition, you know, and, and how much that affected my life, you know? I decided to do that. I just said, you know, I'm just stay in school. I'll do a master's in exercise science. That was fun. Hey, cool. You know, my professor's like, hey, you have potential. Why don't you do a PhD? So I did that in exercise and nutritional biochemistry. And at that phase, I started getting very interested in this gap between what scientists were talking about and what the public was talking about with health and nutrition. You know, this, there's these ideas that are being published in scientific journals in language that almost no one but people who are trained for like eight, 10 years in higher education can understand. And then there's all these people out there who are like, oh, I just need to know how to feel a little bit better. And I can't read any of that. What's, what's the deal? So I, I just started a website, you know, uh, with a business partner at the time who's still my business partner. He was a student as well. And he was like, hey, you know, uh, we're both passionate about fitness and nutrition. Euro was taking these uh, scientific articles and writing about them in layperson terms. Um, why don't we just start a site, a website? And his background was systems design engineering. So he built interfaces for IBM and stuff like that. And so he's like, let's just build you a website. I've never been much of a futurist. So at the time, everyone was still on dial up. So I was like, nah, that'll never work. <laughs> websites right now to get on a web page i actually read a textbook while i'm waiting for that page to load and that's like an old basic non-image html page so i was like kind of resistant to the idea but he's like let's just do it and we called it science link you know and, and the idea was uh, we were going to be the the bridge the link between you know scientific community and publications in that realm and people who just want to look feel better perform better eat better um, and so that was, that was our start. You know, we kicked off this website called science link and there was, you know, we spoke about giving earlier and there was no business model. We just wrote free articles that we made available to people all around the world. We were making no money, but that was okay. That was the expectation. We were students. 
So we expected to be broke, you know, and we just started publishing articles and that was it. And we wanted them to be great for personal pride. And we put one of those little boxes to the right in the right hand margin of the site that said, want to learn more cool stuff like this, join our newsletter and we'll send you weekly updates. And uh, after like two years, we had 30, 40,000 people on that list. And so still, I mean, we're, we're not really selling much. We had started by that point, a little bit of a a one-on-one coaching online service. And, you know, we had a few clients through that, maybe 20 clients. So we were keeping the lights on and stuff like that. Still going through school. Uh, It wasn't really a business, but we were developing a reputation following people nowadays would call it branding, right? Um, We weren't doing, you know, call to action marketing. We were branding before we ever had a product. And uh, then one day someone sat us down and was like, Hey, you guys realize with a newsletter list of 40,000 and your reputation in the industry, that's a legit business. So when you wrap up school, uh, you might not have to go get real jobs. And we were like, sounds good to us. And so that was sort of the early days of sort of figuring out, okay, cool. We've got a reputation and a following pretty big. We might not have to get real jobs. Okay. Let's start thinking about what that might mean. What might a business doing what we do look like? And that was really, you know, now that's 10, 12 years, you know, after I decided I was going to try and make something of myself, if you want to call it that. Um, but, uh, it started to finally take shape. I love that. And, and I just, recorded a small video earlier this morning about the concept of perfect being the enemy of the good. And you didn't have a perfect plan laid out. You had a janky website that got you 40,000 people to sign up ultimately and really was the footing and the anchoring so that you could build this $100 million business. And I'm curious... You, you mentioned earlier on that, that there was this scarcity mindset that you had growing up as a kid. Did that rear its head at all during the beginning phases of building PN? And does it, still, does it ever pop its head up today? Um, I'm, I'm super fortunate in who I lucked out in getting as a business partner. So Phil is... Um, you know, Phil Caravaggio is the guy who started the first website with me and we're still 50-50 owners of Precision Nutrition today. And ScienceLink obviously went on to become Precision Nutrition. Uh, I mean, I, I lucked out in that, unbeknownst to us, we chose the perfect kind of business partner for each other. You know, oftentimes what ends up happening when people choose a business partner is they pick someone like them, right? They're like, hey, you love the things that I love we should partner up and make a business. Well, the problem with that is if you're both similar, love the same things, have some of the same skills and talents, one of you is redundant. You have to split the profit with yourself, but you're not yourself. Someone else is exactly like you. Now, who's going to do the things that you guys don't like? Uh, Phil and I have never had that problem because 
He's a systems design engineer by training. You know, he built websites. Great, I didn't. We would have never had a website business if it was up to me or me plus one person into health and fitness like me and vice versa. You know, he was into health and fitness, but he couldn't do what I did. So it was a perfect partnership that way. The scarcity mindset thing, uh, he's kind of the opposite of, of my upbringing there as well. He grew up in an immigrant family as well. But his dad had had some success early on. So Phil kind of grew up in a more success-driven environment. His dad is a CEO of a chain of golf courses. And so uh, had learned a lot of these lessons himself. So first part is I'm super fortunate to have the person 50-50 on the business making decisions with me. And, and Phil and I are like brothers. I've, we often joke that we're like uh, work life mates. You know what I mean? He's like my work wife because uh, we're super close and all these things are intimately tied together. And having someone give checks and balances to your own traits, helpful or even, even really positive ones, you know, are important. You know, often I say like your greatest weaknesses can also be your greatest superpowers, context dependent. And your greatest superpowers can be your greatest weaknesses, context dependent. And having someone who has different powers and weaknesses as a, a foil to you every day is super amazing. So that, that's part one to it. You know, the second part is we've always been super cautious about money, not from a scarcity perspective, but just from a, um, a way to try our best to ensure we can keep doing what we love doing. And so I have a story around that. In 2006, late 2006 is when we officially launched Precision Nutrition. So we'd been Science Link up until this time. And by this point, we started to have a few products. We had a couple of info products around our business and stuff like that. And we wanted to consolidate it all into what we called the Precision Nutrition System, which was like a binder and a series of manuals that took everything we were doing with like elite athletes and recreational exercisers and, you know, gave people uh, an online support community plus a series of printed books to go along with that to help them reach their health and fitness goals. And so, you know, we started to learn marketing. So we're going to do a long form sales page and we're going to do a big promo and it's going to be leading up to Christmas. So it was 2006, you know, the turn of 2007, you know, I think the maximum we had made a month in revenue had been oh, eight, ten thousand dollars or something like that previously. And uh, so we launched this sale and we're printing on demand. So obviously we're going to take orders and then we're going to fulfill them on demand. So we didn't really have to dump any money into inventory because if we would have, we wouldn't have been able to afford it. The sale goes well, crushes it, right? I think we sold, you know, in a week when we opened the sale till Christmas or New Year's, whenever it was ending, 1,000, 1,200 units at 100 bucks each. So we, the most we'd ever made was 10,000 bucks. And I think we did 120K in a week, right? And so big, huge success, high fives, chest bumps, amazing. Look, uh, a wonderful brand is born. The problem was we knew nothing about online business. So when uh, you charge people you know, through your website, you use a shopping cart company, which then interfaces with a merchant account company, right? And they're the ones who manage the credit card transaction. And when you're used to making six, 8,000 average a month, and all of a sudden, in health and fitness in particular, you sell $120,000 in product. 
red flags go up all over the place and they think it's a scam. The health and fitness industry, because of the supplement piece um, and the shady things that can happen there, is one of the hard, the, the largest chargeback industries there is, where people try and get their money back from the company, can't get it, and then they issue a chargeback. So what these merchant processing companies do is when they see things like this, they hold the money. They're like, oh, this might be a scam. So we're going to hold on to all the money um, just in case we get a flood of chargebacks. So what ended up happening was we had this greatest success in our company's history and we didn't get a dime of the money, including the baseline that we were getting for other products and services, right? So if, if our operational expenses were being covered by the six to eight grand a month we were making already, that was even being withheld. So they end up holding all the money we made and, and the sales continued for six months. So I think we officially collected four or $500,000 over those six months and we saw zero dollars. Nothing came in at all. Obviously, super stressful period. You know, we had to you know, beg friends and family to help us bridge the gap. It was a really difficult time. But it taught me in particular and, and Phil also the idea that it's, it's, it's so fragile, you know, the ability to, to keep doing what you love doing, that something like this, like you're not, not a failure, but a big success could even topple it. Right. I mean, if people are still trying to figure out what's going on, we had to fulfill thousands of orders over those six months with no way to pay for the product. Right. Like we had to give those people the things that they paid us money for without having received the money. So it was like the money went in this weird black box. We couldn't tell customers, oh, it's our merchant company that's holding it. You'll get it when they release it. Uh, we just had to say, sure, your order's on the way. And then go bite our nails, figure out how we're going to pay for that product to get built and shipped. So uh, I, we call it now the lesson, give yourself the opportunity to continue. So the idea is that at PN now, you know, we're doing much better than what I just described. But at any point in time, something could change. You know, the market conditions could change. A disruptive company could come in and change where people put their dollars in the health and fitness space. Someone could steal from us. One of a number of things could happen. And we love what we're doing. So how can we give ourselves the opportunity to continue? You know, what that might look like for us is, you know, keep uh, a certain number of months of operational expenses in the bank. Never spend that. So that if something goes wrong and we don't get the money for a year, we can continue to run the company for that year and figure out what to do. So I, I tie it into the scarcity mindset just from this perspective. You know, I grew up in that kind of environment. Uh, Phil, my business partner, has been great at getting rid of that in my life. That doesn't make us cavalier in how we spend or how we share. You know, we are super protective of the one thing that we want the most, which is the opportunity to continue doing what we love doing. I'm really fascinated by the concept of friction. And I think that what you just described is it ties into friction because you need a certain amount of friction in order to do anything. So, you know, while, while some people might call that scarcity, well, friction, having the right amount of friction is the healthy level of scarcity, if you will, because 
things do happen. And if you're not prepared, then you're not going to be able to continue to add the value and to continue to give in the way that you have been accustomed to giving. And more importantly, that your clients have become accustomed, accustomed to you giving. And so I, I think it's a really powerful lesson that entrepreneurs around the world could, could take from, from your story. And man, I, there is, we could talk for like another hour about all of this stuff. And, and in fact, if you, I would love to have you on for a part two at some point to continue, maybe even diving into what you were referred to as a master of behavior change, because we didn't even really talk about the, the concept of changing your life and saying goodbye to those habits and, and leaving behind what's bad and carrying forward the good and starting afresh and how that's applied in the fitness and nutrition space, but also how people who are pivoting in their careers can take those same concepts and apply them into their new journey. So I'd love to have you on as a part two, uh, if you'd be open to that. Would that be something we could potentially arrange, JB? Yeah, totally. That'd be great. I mean, I always warn people when they invite me onto their podcast, they're like, well, we have 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And I'm like, (laughs) zero chance we'll ever cover all the stuff in in that time because uh, I talk way too much. But I, I get so excited about some of the ideas that we're exploring. And yeah, I'd love to. I mean, you know, that that's you know, uh, I think we've been pretty successful with precision nutrition. There's some great lessons there and, and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, behavior change is, is our thing. And, and, you know, I mean, we've applied it very successfully in health and fitness. I mean, we're talking about a field where when medical doctors prescribe prescription medications for things like heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, right? So these are these, these aren't just, uh, you know, drugs that manage small symptoms. These are things that are miracle life-saving drugs for a lot of people. Their consistency or compliance is only about 55%, which means that you prescribe these medications to keep you alive or prevent you from dying. And uh, generally, people only do it half the time for a whole host of reasons, which we, we understand. In our coaching programs, for example, where we ask people to exercise a few times a week and eat things that maybe they weren't eating before and maybe eat a few fewer things that they were eating before and to sleep a little bit more and to do certain things to manage their stress, uh, our consistency uh, rates are about 72 to 73 percent. And so, you know, we just had three peer-reviewed studies published looking at our programs And so, I mean, I'm super excited by the idea that when you give people the magic pill that people say that everyone wants, they only take it half the time. But we found ways to help people do the things they know are important uh, about three quarters of the time in their lives. And I mean, that's that's why our company's gotten the attention that it has. It's something I'm super excited about. And um, the most fun for me now is because we've had such success with this, uh, people wanting to teach other things come to us now and say, all right, cool. You guys have had such great success in helping people be consistent in changing key daily practices. How can I help them do that with this other thing? You know, sleep experts have come to us and said, how can I, how can I use what you guys do 
to my sleep clients and business experts and people in medicine. So it's been this fun thing where we take what is essentially a system and we now apply it in other areas outside of health and fitness. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying I'd love to come back, do a second episode and talk specifically about those things because uh, I'm super passionate about those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I am too. And I am, I'm pumped about it. I mean, this is just like a little taste of what's to come and I can't wait to schedule you on again because it's, it's going to be, I think probably one of the most valuable episodes for my audience and, uh, and maybe even for, for your customers who haven't heard what you're doing in, in the way that you might share on our show. So uh, JB, I want to thank you for joining us on what is now going to be round one of the Impact Entrepreneur Show. And I look forward to scheduling you on again in the very near future. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. Uh, everyone who's listened uh, this far in, I appreciate you guys listening and spending your time with us today. If you're really curious about what we do or want to help yourself, you know, make changes in your, in your nutrition and fitness, feel free to pop over to our site at precisionnutrition.com. We've published hundreds of free articles. You don't have to buy anything. You can just come over, check it out, uh, search for the topic you're most interested in and hear what we have to say on it. Um, And again, you know, thanks for being with us and thank you, Mike, for having me. And we will be sure to link to all of those things uh, in the show notes so the audience can go and, and check that out and, and sign up for the newsletter because it's incredibly valuable and sign up for to go through the the coaching course. If you're a coach or if you're an individual that needs a, a game changing nutrition plan or even a, somebody who is physically fit but wants to get to the next level, the material that they've put together for you is second to none. So we will link to all of that and more in the show notes. Don't forget about the gifts I have for you, the Clarity of Purpose Scorecard and the Six Bridges to Personal Growth and Wellbeing. Head over to theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash scorecard and download those resources today. Dr. Berardi, thank you for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show and sharing your story and sharing your wisdom. I cannot wait to share part two of our conversation where we talk about mastering behavior change. I know that my audience, as well as myself, are going to learn a tremendous amount both from this episode and the next episode next week. Now, if you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash seven zero for all the key points of the conversation. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Lot Marketing Group. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, check out the Podcast Masters. I could not do this show without them. Now, until next time, go make an impact.